0: Welcome, it's indisputable. I'm your host, Rashad Richie, good to be with you. We got a lot on the agenda today. Breaking down news of the day, my big homie Dan Evans, host of Good Morning Bad News, Power Report, and Audioface. Always good to have him on the show. Debate, none other than Rick Green. He's back for the bullpen, founder of patriotacademy.com. He's gonna talk about teachers having guns in the classroom state governments all across the country are passing laws now to make that a reality. Should be an interesting conversation. Top story of the day, Donald Trump has admitted he tried to actually overturn the election, he put it in writing. The secret service is now under criminal investigation. And Steve Bannon back in 2020 was well aware of the scheme from the beginning. I got all the information here. All right. So, as the January 6th Select Committee presented damning evidence of Donald Trump allowing its violent coup attempt to continue for 187 minutes, Donald Trump basically has now admitted to seditious conspiracy on his truth social website. In just a moment, I'm going to read part of that statement where Donald Trump Admits it was his goal to overturn the election. Before I go to that, let's go to Steve Bannon leaked audio exclusively obtained by Mother Jones of Steve Bannon in October of 2020 before the election. Saying here's the plan of Trump, here it is. It's gonna take advantage of that's our
1: strategy. He's gonna clear himself a winner. So when you wake up Wednesday morning, it's gonna be a firestorm, We're gonna have a T crazy, the media crazy, the courts are crazy. And Trump's gonna be sitting there mocking, tweet, you lose, <laughs> I'm the winner, I'm the king. And he'll be all over, he'll be, he'll be going, where's Hunter, is Hunter on a crack pipe? I mean, no, he'll be, because then it doesn't matter, remember, here's the thing, after then Trump never has to go to a voter again. He's gonna fire Ray, the FBI direction, he's gonna say, how about that, cuz he's never gonna <laughs> He's he's done his last election. (laughs) Oh, he's gonna be off the chain. He's gonna be crazy. Also, also, if Trump is if Trump is losing Mm -hmm. by ten or eleven o'clock at night, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: it's gonna be even crazier. No,
0: because he's gonna sit right there and said they stole it. That's right. Steve Bannon knew the entire strategy. He was not even part of the administration at that time. He's a former administration official who was well aware before the election in October, the month before the election. He knew that if Donald Trump was losing, Trump would simply declare that he actually won. He would create chaos in the media. He would engage in mass manipulation and he did. This was a strategy. Why did Steve Bannon know about this? Because they created the strategy from day one. There's more. In his statement, Donald Trump said, He did admit he wanted Vice President Mike Pence to reject the valid electors in multiple states in violation of the Constitution. And then he went on to admit the goal was to overturn the 2020 presidential election, which was won by Joe Biden. This, according to Trump, may have proven to be an election changing event. Trump admitted before attacking Trump. Biden in his statement. Now, let me take you to a reel that has been created. Remember those 187 minutes when Trump decided to do nothing but to watch violence unfold on television, hoping that his violence or the violent mob that he has animated against the United States government. He was hoping that it would work, remember that? But Donald Trump finally had to become teleprompter Trump and here's how that went.
2: Whenever
1: you're ready, sir. I would like to begin by addressing the heinous attack yesterday. And to those who broke the law, you will pay. You do not represent our movement. You do not represent our country. And if you broke the law, you can't say that. I'm not gonna, you, I already said you will pay. The demonstrators who infiltrated the capital have defied the seat of just, just defiled, right? See, I can't see it very well. Okay, I'll, I'll do this, I'm gonna do this, let's go. But this election is now over. Congress has certified the results. I don't wanna say the election's over, I just wanna say Congress has certified the results without saying the election's over, okay? But Congress has certified Now, Congress. Yeah, right. Now, Congress. I didn't say over. So let let me see. Don't go to the paragraph before. Okay. I would like to begin by addressing the heinous attack yesterday. Yesterday is a hard word for me. Just
3: take that. The heinous attack.
1: attack. Ah, good. Take the word yesterday because it doesn't work with. The heinous attack on our country. Say on our country. Want to say that? No.
3: Either.
1: My only goal was to ensure the integrity of the vote. My only goal was to ensure the integrity of the vote. Yeah,
0: in the biggest, but I don't want a moment you've ever seen in a presidential element. Donald Trump's heart obviously was not in it. So let me read what he has recently posted. This is where his heart was at. What a difference, he says, it would have made if state legislatures had another crack at looking at all of the fraud, abuse and irregularities that have been found. Trump said, even though all of his delusions have been thoroughly debunked and laughed out of court even by judges that Donald Trump appointed himself. Now, there's a reason why Trump is saying, what if the legislatures could get an opportunity to look at this again? He's not saying, what if judges could? He's not saying, what if election officials could? He's saying, what if legislatures could do this again? He's saying that because right now, before the United States Supreme Court is a case that would allow if they rule the wrong way. It would allow state legislatures to overturn the will of the people to enact their own slate of electors regardless of what the state citizens decide. That right now is a case before the United States Supreme Court, a power that has never been exercised by state legislatures ever. That's what he's setting the stage for, there's more. The Department of Homeland Security, the inspector said now secret service under investigation. The Department of Homeland Security's inspector general has launched a criminal investigation into the circumstances surrounding the destruction of secret service text messages that may have been relevant to inquiries about the January 6th Capitol attack. Two sources familiar with the matter told NBC News. The results of the investigation could be referred to federal prosecutors The sources said, depending on the results, the DHS Inspector General informed the Secret Service on Wednesday evening that the investigation is now in fact criminal. Ladies and gentlemen, the Secret Service is now under criminal investigation because of their connection to covering up potentially potentially covering up text message between their own agents. I don't believe these text messages only highlight Donald Trump's, let's say, engagement to overthrow the government. I think these text messages they erased are far more sinister than we could ever imagine. Dan, thoughts
2: on this? Yeah, I'm glad that the connections between Trump and the secret service are starting to come together because we know that he appointed a former secret service agent Anthony Ornato to be his deputy chief of staff and they were very closely in contact with each other. Um, it's seeming that we're uncovering in the lead up to January 6 and around that day around it. Uh, we're seeing that even it seems like Mike Pence knew there was some kind of inside game going on where they were trying to make sure that Pence was either A, going along with Trump's idea of overturning the votes or B, just unable to certify the election so Trump could take over amidst the chaos there. But even Pence knew and Pence didn't listen to certain Secret Service agents who were telling him to leave the area were prodding him to leave DC. It's weird how all of these people who were villains that went up with everything that Donald Trump was doing up until ninety-nine percent of the way through the game <laughs> that they decide to grow a conscience. It's amazing, but thankfully it seems like it's glad it happens here. But all of that stuff, I'm so sick of the people on the right who were gaslighting us over the past four years who are saying, oh, Donald Trump, he can't be a bumbling idiot and also be calculating at the same time. You see it there in his speech prep. He's like, oh, I don't want it to sound like this because then it'll be interpreted as being too weak or whatever. It's this clip shows that yes, he's not that smart, but he saw that what he learned from the 2016 to the 2020 election is that you can. Push the boundaries, push the limits of the law, and the Republican Party will just go along with you as long as you're building power for them, as long as you're building influence for them. One last thing he needs to get off the voter fraud and get all that stuff already. As the Ross story, person who wrote that article mentioned, it's already been widely debunked. But we've been about to do the story later on where one American news, the news outlet that was mostly deep into Trump's voter fraud conspiracy theories, are about to be sued out of existence because of these voting machine manufacturers who were able to prove in court that no, our machines worked fine. You kept lying about the quality of our machines. We're coming for you because you're defaming our character. So. Yeah. All of this is ridiculous. It's a whirlwind from Trump. Will it, refect, refect, ah, will it affect Republican voters? That remains to be seen. But all the stuff being laid out in front of us, is very important to be aware of, especially the secret service connection. Yeah, and another point you made about the machines. Ironically,
0: Trump actually won on the machines in Georgia. He lost on the absentee ballots. So when people say, well, the, the votes are rigged on the machines. Well, then that doesn't go with your narrative. Trump actually won on the machines and lost on absentee ballots. Okay, a cop only gets one year probation for dragging a 16 year old by her hair. Here's that video.
2: watching this cop in the hallway right here and she's being dragged by the hair. They have it blurred out, but this is just no way to deal with a 16 year old. There's no way to see why the arm and the hair it seems. There's no way to see why that she would possibly need to be taken in this way. This cop has no fear for their safety. This cop is way larger than them. They're even gonna have to call in reinforcements. She's resisting being brought in, but now you're seeing her getting kicked. It's disgusting to look at.
0: Yeah, and I would resist too if I had cops that were handling me in that manner. Uh, this young teenager was probably scared out of her mind. Um, not only by the physical, but also by what they were saying to her. Uh, so we have an update. So this cop who committed that criminal act that you just saw will only receive one year of probation. Let's put this picture up full mass here. These videos were not previously released because of the pending investigation. This happened in 2021, former Newcastle County Delaware Police Corporal, Michael Carnival. Now remember, he's a corporal, what does that mean? That means he has years on the force, that means he's a supervisor. And that means he has leadership authority inside of that police department. The former officer was indicted on December, in December on three misdemeanor charges. Offensive touching, official misconduct and falsifying business records. Now two of those could have been felonies. They decided to only charge him with the misdemeanor element. He pleaded guilty to of touching, which carried a maximum of 30 days in jail and a fine. The other charges were completely dismissed in exchange for his guilty plea, which occurred a few days before his scheduled trial date. His sentence for one year of probation came immediately, after he pleaded guilty on Thursday, July 14th. So this cop, this corporal also agreed to never seek employment or serve in law enforcement in the future. This cop, Carnival, whose probation will be suspended upon completion of anger management courses, community service and the surrender of his police training certificate, declined to comment following his sentencing. Now, here's the irony of this, they have admitted what he did was criminal. And this is our problem with law enforcement. Naturally, you would assume that a person who has that level of public trust should be held at a higher standard of responsibility, a higher standard of care, a higher standard of accountability. If anyone else would have decided to do that to a 16 year old girl, they would be charged with a felony or maybe at least, some crime in association with abusing a minor. This cop avoided all of the charges that would have been allocated to 99.9% of the population. He was dealing with a minor in this way. They acknowledge what he did was in fact criminal. He goes home and receives virtually no penalty. All right, let's put up the kernel here, okay? This is Colonel Joseph Bloch. The county police chief said Carnival's uh, actions are not within the policies and procedures of the department and do not reflect the values and standards of the division. That's a damn lie because I saw more than one cop. Did that one cop, the other cop try to stop him? No, that means it's a cultural issue, chief. And then he goes on to say, although I'm disgusted that this incident took place, I am pleased that he was held accountable for his actions and would never serve in law enforcement again. Once again, not held accountable for his actions, he received a slap on the wrist. Uh, There are some details of the investigation. Uh, The investigation into this cop's actions began on August 31st after a fellow officer witnessed the excessive use of force reported it to the commander. County police said, according to a separate Delaware Department of Justice release, the incident occurred on August 30th when the girl became disorderly and resistant. While she was at the police station, the evidence revealed that this corporal repeatedly pulled and attempted to lift the victim by her hair and dragged her in a prone position nearly 50 feet along the ground by the chain of the handcuffs fastened behind her back. The Justice Department statement said, once again, not enough penalty, not enough accountability because they do not respect the life that was adversely impacted and they have too much damn respect for the SOB who did it,
2: Dan thoughts here. I really want to hit on a point you a word you said there in particular accountability because yeah you saw her being dragged like a piece of meat like an animal just along that hallway there in that surveillance footage but the accountability the lack of accountability rather that's currently in police forces across the country where you see not only do you have this mistrust of how they'll handle cases how they'll handle people who are being arrested that has existed within communities of color for. the Basically, the existence of this country that's started to be seen by larger populations due to the rise of social media. But you also have police officers who, as departments, as divisions, do such little self-policing, do such little community, like making sure their culture of policing is actually safe and serving the community. That you get instances where I don't know if you've been talking to people in like the neighborhood doc. I know you're well connected to your communities and things like that, but people now saying that like. Why bother calling the police? Because in addition to all the terror, all the terror they'll do in my community, they won't even do their jobs. They won't even come and solve the crimes. I have video footage of this uh, robbery. I have this license plate here at evidence. They won't even bother showing up. It's not even because they're being defunded. We're seeing in city after city that police budgets are increasing. Defense spending is increasing in America over overall when it comes to abroad, but also internally everywhere you're going. Things are getting more police and more militarized. So you can't have an increasing of the police state. At the same time, you have decreasing accountability where at the end of the day, we're supposed to to believe that the police are there to solve crimes and keep the community safe. The community doesn't even believe that cops are keeping us safe anymore. And clips like this are just an example. So that's why I'm cautious about adding money to the police budgets around the country because we are not adding accountability by any stretch of the imagination.
0: All right. There's a GOP gubernatorial candidate out of New York. He gets attacked on stage. Guy tries to stab him. Here's the video.
4: Is our last stand for New York? Yes, sir.
2: And there's only there's only one option. What is he doing? You're done. You're done. Why did they let him get up there? No, why-
0: Let's put up the steel, the screenshot. I wanna show you the knife. Do you see in the right hand of the individual? That could have killed this New York Republican gubernatorial candidate named Lee Zeldin. Now, I'm covering this story because this never should have happened to him. Regardless of his political affiliation, this never should have been a reality that he faced on that stage. But more and more violence is being animated against those running for political office. So just like I sit here and tell everyone you do not engage in violence because someone disagrees with you politically. Typically, I'm defending left leaning candidates and left leaning politicians. And left leaning advocacy groups. This time I'm defending a right leaning candidate. And I'm fine with that because this should not be. Let's put this picture up again. Okay, now I'm not sure what kind of security protocol this cat has, but obviously he needs a new one. Uh, This is a screenshot of Zeldin back, he's backing the attacker, he's pushing him back. He was armed with a piercing weapon. According to the staff, no one was hurt, nobody sustained injuries. Um, And the candidate was obviously um, a little scared but also had a little scrape. The attacker, Let's put him up, was identified as David J Q bonus. David is an army veteran, currently unemployed, was under the influence of alcohol according to the report at the time. He was arraigned for second degree attempted assault and freed on his own recognizance, meaning he did not need to post a bond whatsoever. He just literally almost killed someone on stage, and he gets a signature bond. Okay. A man identified as Joe Chenley attacked and restrained this individual and later told Rochester First News when he said he served in Iraq. I got down on my hands and knees and said, you know, we're going to get through whatever you're going through, whatever you've done here tonight. Uh, the individual is a national director of the nonprofit veteran service group, uh, AM Vets, and a candidate for state office on the Republican Conservative Party tickets. Uh, So they had this kind of, it's gonna be okay moment. Under no circumstance should this be allowable uh, in our political arena. Uh, But it's becoming more and more common. Now we don't know all of the motivation here. We don't know if this individual had a personal issue or a political one. But we do know it should not happen, period. And it's happening too damn much in this country. All right, Dan, thoughts
2: here. Yeah, I think. A lot of people are acknowledging the rising tensions in this country overall. And especially the rising tensions towards political figures, it starts in the rhetoric. When people use phrases like stochastic terrorism, we're talking about using political rhetoric on shows like this where we at least we try to be responsible on TYT network. But there are other networks out there and other places on the internet where they amplify voices that are stoking violent rhetoric. They're raising the stakes and saying that these people who don't look like you, these people who are a, have different religions, have different genders, they're coming to attack you and they're coming for your children and you have to defend yourself by any means necessary and that includes by beefing up the second amendment that by the way the Supreme Court is helping us with by the way. So, um by when you're doing all of this stuff, when you're building all this rage in society, it's going to build out on the fringes where you have someone uh yeah, I don't know what based on being a veteran, what sort of like Traumas he may or may not have. He clearly seemed to be drunk there. There's a lot going on there when you combine America's failing mental health system, especially for veterans, with this increasing political rhetoric that no one is tamping down on. Very few people are tamping down on the right, especially. It's a recipe for disaster. And thank. I'll just also point out here thankfully, this is just one of those little weapons, like keychain weapons you could buy at the store that oftentimes you take home if you're like walking alone at night and you don't feel safe or whatever. But thankfully, this wasn't. A gun, because it would have been yeah. much worse if he had a gun. Exactly, very
0: well said. We have more on the other side, it's indisputable, stick and stay. All right, breaking news, we just got this off the wire. Steve Bannon has been found guilty of contempt of the United States Congress obstructing the January 6th investigative committee. Now remember, Steve Bannon decided to say, no, I will not adhere to this subpoena. He has now been found guilty of obstructing the United States Congress. 68 year old political strategist who served as the former Trump campaign advisor has now been found guilty. Now, let's talk about what this means. There are two counts he's been found guilty on. All right, two. The sentencing can be a minimum of 30 days, a maximum of one year based on on the report. So a federal jury has convicted Steve Bannon of two counts of contempt of Congress for defying the subpoena which also means that you can actually have two different sentences for each of these convictions. So they don't necessarily have to follow the same. It also means in the absolute best case scenario um he can get 2 years. Now that's not going to happen. That's best case scenario for me. Because a judge can stack on top of each other the maximum sentence and not allow them um, to run concurrently, all right? They can do what's called a consecutive sentencing. I highly doubt that will ever happen. Uh, But Dan, what are your thoughts about this? What's going to happen is
2: Steve Bannon actually going to the pokey? Yeah, so the sentencing hearing is gonna be in October. So I'll be really excited to uh, see about that. But in reality, It hasn't been since the McCarthy era red baiting trials where you had um, people potentially facing jail time for uh, seeming too communist in Hollywood and stuff like that. Basically the Cold War era half a century ago where people were actually prosecuted for contempt of Congress. Um, But the jury was pretty quick on this. Steve Bannon's defense team said there's so much reasonable doubt that we don't feel the need to put up a defense, which to me, shows the kind of cockiness, at least in my opinion, that the Bannon team has always had. I mean, we just played earlier on the show some audio that was recently uncovered from the January 6th committee hearings that a lot of people are opening up about. Even Donald Trump Jr. showing how on the day of he was very concerned about it. Steve Bannon sitting by going, no, no, you see my friends, this is all the long game. Because if he wins, then Donald Trump hasn't have to answer anyone. And if he loses, he's just gonna say it's rigged and he's gonna try to force himself to stay in office anyways. So it's a win win for us, heads I win, tails you lose kind of situation, yep. largely for the American people. So it's I'm happy ultimately to see a semblance of accountability. I'd love to see Steve Bannon behind bars. But I unfortunately have not seen anything that suggests to the Republican Party or to anyone really, that you can't try this again.
0: Yeah, exactly. And here's the thing, uh, they keep allowing the leaders on the right to be resurrected. That's what happens. So Steve Bannon goes to jail, he goes to jail for a few days. He goes to jail and defeat and then he all of a sudden he comes out. He's now resurrected somehow, he's defeated the system. He has this entire narrative about how he went against the big guys and he actually won because these are spin doctors. Okay, all right, we'll keep you updated on any development as it comes. I got something for everybody, I wish you Karen would.
5: You wanna call the police on them for having a barbecue on a In, Sunday. You're, you're I feel free. So back off! I'm gonna tell them there's an African American man threatening my life thought the whole fist bump charade was done in an effort to make minimal contact. Maybe if Jojo had been wearing his diaper like a good little boy, he could have avoided all of this. And yes, I'm referring to his face diaper, not his regular diaper. We all know Joey doesn't leave the basement without his depends. I wouldn't be shocked if after this, the CDC decided to take this overreach another step further and started trying to mandate hazmat suits for everyone. That would actually make way more sense if they want this failing garbage narrative of theirs to remain somewhat believable. If you're going to enforce unconstitutional mandates, why not just go all in? Forget the N95, let's go for full on gas masks to complement our disposable orange jumpsuits. (sighs) <sighs> okay, but jokes aside, I'm curious to know what you all make of this. Is Biden coming down with the China virus, an orchestrated stunt to scare people into believing the new extra deadly Omicron variant is here so they can blame the unbacks and push more jabs? Is it perhaps conveniently timed along with the impending climate crisis to prime us for upcoming future lockdowns? Is it a ploy to oust Biden and install the first black? What is a
0: Oh, I got more. So let's put up a picture full of mass here. She's a news anchor. News anchor for OAN News. What America? All right? Her name is Allison, Karen Allison Steinbeck. Yeah, I'm just adding Karen. Um, and this particular individual has been featured on our Karen segment before. Why? Because she went on a rant about a pride flag and that she was training an employee on how to discriminate against people on the street. Yeah, now there's, um, it's an interesting dynamic about how she gets down. There's another video, here it is.
5: Well, what do you know, double backs, double boosted Biden just got COVID. What do you think is gonna happen? Will he come back and say he's so glad he got the shots cuz it's gonna been much worse? Or do you think he's gonna, let me know your thoughts down below.
0: You know, we no longer have to wonder what would happen if a Karen got a TV show. All right, we see right here this is exactly what would happen. This is what it is. Um she seems to be, you know, very cheerful about somebody catching COVID, um especially the president of the United States. Uh, but once again, her rhetoric knows no boundaries. She has admitted the way she trains others is to go and find the most extreme individuals, bring them on television, and then boom. She manipulates the truth on a regular basis, she admitted to this, we have the video. All
2: right, Dan, thoughts on this, Karen? Yeah, all One American news at this point can do, especially with uh, this woman, uh, Alison Steinberg, is just to offer empty rhetoric and anger and rage to their increasingly dwindling audience who can barely access them. Uh, If you want my real opinion, I think A, Joe Biden is showing that while catching covid and being incredibly old as he is um he's like has the vaccine and is showing that yes it's safe and even though he's caught it, that he's still able to recover safely, which is meant to give people faith in the vaccine. But it's also meant to show people, hey, just because you're vaccinated, just because Omicron is going out doesn't mean that we as a country are gonna be doing anything to fix that. We're not gonna be testing anymore. We're not gonna be doing any of those other things. Get back to work because I'm doing it. I think that's a much more implicit message that's coming out here. But of course, uh, Steinberg's not necessarily like a pro worker kind of person, doesn't have that actual perspective to provide that for us here. All this is empty rhetoric, empty talking points, and I don't know, like once you saw many of us in the political sphere, will remember Tommy Lauren from a couple years ago, yep. who brought this sort of like extreme, I'm just going to be like a blonde white lady and talk about just stoke anger and fear in my like Republican base audience. And of course, everything you have to supercharge that. So this just seems like the next level of it. Um, RIP tour being on one American news because they're about to go broke, but it, yeah. it's, it's, it's an affordable grip. I mean, it's a good grift, you can do it. Yeah, they're being sued into oblivion,
0: Uh, all of their sponsors are leaving. Uh, It is what it is, and she still is allowed to have a show. I mean, white privilege is a hell of a drug. All right, we got more on the other side, it's indisputable stick and stay. All right, welcome back. Uh, We got a lot of show, Uh, we're putting a lot of content into today's show. There's a video that has now been released, okay? It shows a child with his hands up being shot by Chicago PD. We now have the video, here it is.
6: They were the final moments of a foot chase. Body camera videos obtained exclusively by CNN show how it ended with the Chicago police officer shooting an unarmed 13-year-old who was running from a stolen vehicle and who lawyers and some witnesses say had his hands up. The 13-year-old's attorneys say the teen was trying to surrender. The officer's attorney says in a split second decision, he thought the teen's cell phone was a gun.
1: Jesus Christ, dude.
2: Yeah.
6: That was the reaction of the officer next to the shooting officer after shots were fired.
1: hit?
0: Shortly
6: after, two officers grabbed the 13-year-old who had just been shot by his sweatshirt and legs and carried him away from the gas pump where he was laying. The 13-year-old was a passenger in a suspected stolen car when officers tried to stop it. Police say he jumped out and started running. Then right as he turns and appears to raise his hands, he shot at least one.
0: He was a kid, he's a kid, a passenger, and he runs, turns around. He puts his hands up and he's shot. I wanna do this producers go to the steel of when he has his hands up. I wanna make sure this was very clear for everyone who watches this segment. He has his hands up. He has his hands up. But the video from the body cam of the officer who shot the child, Noah Ball, whose identity was first reported by the Daily Beast, doesn't begin until after the incident took place. An attorney for ball has denied the teen's hands, were raised and suggested he mistook a cell phone for a gun. Now, they want you to believe that what you see is a lie. They want you to not see what you've saw. His hands were up. One of the new clips obtained by the Daily Beast on Thursday is not from the body cam, but apparently that of a fixed camera nearby, and likewise shows the teen. Raising his hands, falls by the camera. The cop did not activate until roughly 40 seconds after the shooting was over. Shortly after his camera came on, Officer Ball is heard asking another officer, is your camera on? And when that officer replies yes, he says, okay, good, his camera is off. His camera magically turns back on after the shooting is done. His attorneys are coming out saying hands were not up. Now we have the video, hands were up. There's more. Ball's attorney, Timothy Grace, told CNN his client's body camera was inadvertently off. That's what he said. That's the attorney. Uh, it was just a mistake here. Um, you know, nothing, nothing to it. Grace told the Daily Beast Thursday his client thought he had activated the camera. Grace previously contended that officer Ball believed himself to be in danger when he mistook the cell phone for a weapon. In the new body camera footage, a cell phone can be seen lying on the ground next to a pool of blood left by the injured 13 year old after officers dragged him away. But video from the moments before the shooting does not show where the cell phone was as the child ran. Though at least one officer can be heard shouting about a gun, no gun existed. No gun was there. Now, out of all of the stories that we've covered on Indisputable, you know how many cops have confessed that they knew who to call to plant a gun on somebody? And what they would do is yell gun or they would say the word gun so that others could pick it up in their camera or a witness could say, yes, we heard the cops say gun. They're crafty. It's my point, so just because a cop said gun does not necessarily mean that they actually believe the gun was there anyway, there's more. Let's put up a picture of the superintendent here, David Brown. So David Brown book stops with him. We do not have a confirmed photo of officer ball. They're playing hot the pickle, so we have a game for them. Until we know who this cop is, Mr. Superintendent, you will be the face of this tragedy. It was last month when the Daily Beast revealed the officer to be Noah Ball. He has not been charged with any crime in this incident. Uh, let's go to Andrew Straw, the attorney for the child's family. We're calling the child um, by a nickname, it's uh, AG. Uh, told the Daily Beast that the team remains unable to move from the waist down. Remember when this happened, the team was immediately paralyzed, all right, paralyzed. Uh, here's a steal of the young AG in the hospital from the footage with his hands raised up again and him in the hospital bed. Straw said, and I quote, the doctors now believe he is simply paralyzed. Wow, I said this when we first covered the story. Because when the cops did not release their body camera footage and there was that many cops present, I said this kid had his, had his hands up. Because if the kid did not, if there was a threat to the officer, Chicago PD would have released or leaked that footage immediately. They did not. Now we have the rest of the story. A teenage passenger had his hands up and was still shot and could be dead. His life has now been severely adversely impacted because of gun crazy police.
2: 13 year old child. Dan, thoughts on this? The defense for the police officers is just wavering and wavering. Their defense for carrying his body the way they did away from the uh, gas station was that, well, you know, we had just shot him right by a gas station. We're worried the bullets had hit the gas station in it. So then you go, okay, then why did you shoot a suspect who was running away, who was not armed, next to a gas station? They keep digging this hole for themselves. The fact they didn't have the body cameras on when they did this. Just the impact of what you just said that there are officers who know how to be crafty and hide the ball when things are happening. There are other bystanders who saw and said the kid was not armed. There was no gun. As far as we can tell, there was no gun recovered from the scene. So it appears that these officers messed up and it goes into why police officers, one of many reasons, why police officers have lost the trust and faith of the communities they're supposed to protect and serve. Yeah, and you gotta
0: stop talking, as I say all the time, you gotta stop talking reform only and start talking replacement. These cultures, especially in police departments like Chicago PD, they are rotten to the core. You cannot save them through a policy reform, through a new leader, a new captain, a new chief, it won't happen. You gotta get rid of them, you gotta let them go, you gotta put them in jail. You got to start over, recruitment needs to begin. And these are the cops, they have to simply go. You know, They say they like the police, I'm talking about the right. But they don't like the police, they can't stand the police. They don't like police that actually stand up and do the right thing. This is a video of an officer who was attacked. By the terrorists who were animated by Donald Trump at the United States Capitol. Here's what Trump supporters think of this cop. Here it is.
5: Why were you there January 6th? You were not even on duty. Why were you there January 6th, Michael you, you were not even much on, on duty. Why you are you now? Are you a real oh, police officer? Are you disappointed that you're going to pick big face faces and sh in your lives? I don't know what the Why are you assigning
1: I ah, ah, oh, me. fake oh, oh, coming. Oh, uh, f- f- yeah.
0: F- yeah. This guy was being followed by a group of Karen's. Okay, let's go to who he is. Former DC police officer. Mr. Michael Fanon, who suffered a heart attack and was beaten by a mob on January 6th, could have died. He was heckled on Thursday night by protesters near the Capitol. These are all Trump supporters. He had been attending a hearing by the House Select Committee investigating last year's riot video footage posted on social media shows this officer who is now an on-air commentator for CNN, being harassed by the protesters. He did eventually resign from the police force last year. Has spoken about how his slow recovery from the physical and emotional trauma of the attack. He answered a citywide emergency on January 6, 2021, and rushed to the Capitol to fend off pro-Trump terrorists. He was pummeled unconscious with fists and poles and repeatedly stunned with a taser on his neck. Rioters then tried to yank his gun from his holster. Kill him with his own gun, one yelled. The officer who said he voted for Trump in the 2016 presidential election has been outspoken and critical of lawmakers and pro-Trump voters. for downplaying the violence that occurred last year, let's be very clear. Trump supporters are not pro-police, they are not pro-military. They are not pro-democracy, they are not pro-constitution. They are antithetical to all of these dynamics. If any one of those entities, institutions or documents somehow get in the way of their beloved cult leader, they are a cultic. That's it, there's nothing more complex than that, they are in a cult. There is no guiding principle here. There is no value system. There is no structure. We keep thinking that they're structured somehow, that they have a belief system. They don't. If Donald Trump says it, they're going to agree with it no matter what it is. They have no morals, they have no values, they have no true doctrine. They have no religious or party affiliation It's all about Trump. They're in a cult.
2: That's it. Dan thoughts here. That's the important thing to draw home here is that these are people who not only will they do whatever Trump says, not only do they not actually care about the lives of police unless those police officers are defending their political interests. But look at who they're trying to corral. Look at who they're trying to say, we care about the police, blue lives matter. Let's increase the police budget. And look at how little they care about actual police officers. And look at how much attention they're paying towards corralling the military. Because that's what you do when you're rising a fascistic bent. That's what you do when you're rising this type of lean for a country. It's scary, it's shocking. We have to pay attention to it to make sure that they don't try to use the military to do horrible things in this country with like Trump's tyrannical power. Yeah, very well
0: said. All right, we got more on the other side. It's indisputable stick and stay. All right, welcome back. Let me apologize. We've had so much content today, so much show. I have not been able to engage with the audience. So I'm gonna do that now as much as I can, okay? Um, TYT member, Rebel Dragon says their cameras are always inadvertently off whenever they are murdering an unarmed black person. That's right. You're absolutely correct. Uh, the dragon who says, says "Nah, dude flopped harder than Morpheus. <laughs>
2: dude, I, we were running out of time, so I couldn't mention that. But yeah, I, I watch Premier League soccer, and I haven't seen that many, that bad a flop in a minute. It, you know, It reminds me of like when Dennis Rodman used to do
0: it in his heyday, right? He did that floppy was oh, all over the place. Great actor, Master Lebron James in the heyday. <laughs> yeah, I know really, really, yeah. All right, torn to Cora, uh, okay, let's entertain their reasonings for a second. Why the hell would you shoot him at a freaking gas station? You know the place is filled with gas, exactly, and that was Dan's point. Okay, all right, uh, an officer, an officer decides, to kill a teenager who has a toy gun has now been charged with murder. All right, let me take you to this story. Let's put up the picture of the victim full mass here. So sad, a young man who was firing a toy water gun, that's it, a toy water gun was fatally shot in the Bronx by an off duty city department of corrections officer. The officer is Dion Middleton. Dion Middleton has been charged with murder manslaughter and criminal possession of a weapon. No confirmed picture of Middleton can be found at this time. All right, we're gonna stay on top of it. The victim that you see his name is Raymond Callisent, 18 years of old uh, years of age. Um, he was shot in the face. Okay, the team was rushed to the hospital, could not be saved. According to the police, the teenager, had a water gun and the water gun was inside of a car. Let me show you the picture of the water gun. See that, look at that. He was killed because an officer said he was in fear of his life. Because of that water gun. Callison's older sister Gerada Esquilin, 29, said her little brother was just taking part in a water gun fight with neighborhood friends on a hot summer night. I can't believe a corrections officer killed my brother," she said. Everything nowadays is a raging thing. They were just having fun," she said. It's a new Nerf gun that shoots water. The whole neighborhood was having a water gun fight. It was 90 degrees outside. Middleton fled the scene of the crime, which is evidence of him knowing what he did was a crime. Middleton works in training at the NYPD shooting range in Rodman's neck. And he allegedly went to work following the fatal shooting, sources said. Police tracked down Middleton through surveillance canvassing following his vehicle. The corrections officer was arrested at work in Rodman's neck earlier that day. He went and clocked in. He's a 45 year old man, Raymond. Could have been his son, what a coward, said the sister. So let's put up a picture of the commissioner here. Commissioner has gone on record, he's the commissioner of corrections, all right? Luis Malone and the commissioner said in a statement that the very serious charges against officer Middleton are in no way a reflection of the officers who work to keep our city safe every day. This officer will be immediately suspended without pay. And if the charges are true, he will face the full consequences of the law. And be terminated. Here's the problem I have with this. All right. The man has been arrested for murder. You got to get this in context. The man has been arrested for murder. He's on camera committing the murder. How did they find him? They found him through surveillance cameras, okay? So they got him on camera. He committed murder. He goes to work. He gets arrested. He's still getting uh he he's still not terminated. Help me understand this now. He's not completely terminated, but he's they are waiting for the investigation to figure out exactly what's going to happen here.
2: I don't understand this. All right, Dan, help me out. Am I wrong here? I, I, it doesn't seem to be making sense. This corrections officer had nothing to do with this teen who was shot. It wasn't like he was assigned to this teen. Right. It wasn't like this is what you do with corrections officers in those situations. Oh, I gotta make sure that the, my client or whoever I'm working with is on the up and up, I gotta point my gun at them. What training do you have? That Nerf gun clearly has an orange tip, which is meant to say like, hey, this is harmless. And when I'm looking at the story and like there's so many angles to do with this. Police accountability as we've talked about on the show is absolutely nowhere. But I can't just help thinking like can black kids, kids of color not have a water gun fight in hot weather in this country because if this was suburbia and this was somewhere that wouldn't be an issue. If a cop right. were driving by and seeing a water gun fight, he would laugh and smile and go on his merry way. But no, because we're in a society where each summer is hotter than the next and kids are just trying to do what little they can to enjoy being a kid in this kind of society right now with how dangerous things are with all they and their adult parents have to be stressed out about, yep. they can't even have a water gun fight. What do we have in society anymore for these kids? What can they look up to without being, well, imagining, Oh no, can't have fun, might get shot. It's yep. horrifying. And just remember,
0: this officer committed this deed and left the scene of the crime. You can't forget that. How does that end up in a suspension? Okay, how? I don't know any other job you can have where you can literally be arrested for murder. Think about it, arrested for murder. They got you on camera and you decided to flee the scene of a murder and you're still not fired. There's a problem. There's a problem in policing and it's not us. I'm not wrong here. It's no way in the hell this should stand. All right. Okay, Dan, always a pleasure, dear brother, having you on the program. Tell people how they can follow you and check out your great work.
2: Yes, follow me on Twitter, at Dan from the web. If you're on TikTok, check out Good Morning Bad News. Got a lot of cool hosts there. We have John from TYT, Hassan, who's been on TYT before on there as well. Check out my show, Power Report. We're doing live streams on Twitch as well. But just follow me on Twitter. You'll get all the things. Always a pleasure to be on with the good doctor and all the fine people who work behind the scenes at TYT. Have a good Friday, everyone. You too, my friend. All right, we
0: got more. The Bullpit is next. Stick and stay. All right, welcome back, we got a lot of show left. Let me read some of these amazing comments, beautiful stuff. All right, very good comments. I'm um, see the silver dragon says works at a shooting range and he couldn't tell that a bright yellow plastic gun with an orange tip wasn't real. There is no excuse for this cold blooded murderer and leaving the scene shows that he knew he was wrong. He should have been fired on the spot and thrown in jail. That's right. All right, Nathan Dargory. Uh, It's crazy because growing up up in Philly, we were taught to never play with water guns or Nerf guns. I didn't know why then, but it's becoming clearer every day. Yep, it's a very sad reality, right? Okay, all right, let's get it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the bullpen. Yeah, he's back. We have uh, Mr. Rick Green, founder of PatriotAcademy.com. He's a former Texas state representative, national speaker, author, and actually a pretty damn good radio host. Rick, <laughs> good to have you on
4: representative, how are you? Hey, Dr. Richie, great to be back with you. Appreciate all right, it. man.
0: So we're gonna talk about teachers having guns or arming teachers in the school. Uh, and also maybe the backdrop of the Supreme Court's ruling as it relates to guns in New York. I don't want to presume what you believe about that topic or those topics. So, if you would give us your sentiment, and sir, I would then opine.
4: Yeah, I, th- I think uh, you know. Of course, I certainly agree with the Bruin decision, as you probably might guess. I, I think uh, Clarence Thomas laid it out incredibly well: the the history of the Second Amendment, why it's so important, why individuals need the right to keep and bear arms, why the most important uh, way to resist sudden violence and stop these uh, the carnage of these mass murder events or any other. Uh, violence like that is uh, for proximity, to have someone that is a a good person with a gun to be able to stop that bad person with a gun. And I, and I think that was the whole point of the Bruin case was saying you don't just have a right to have a gun in your home. Uh, the Second Amendment guarantees your right to keep and bear arms. You wanna make sure you have that weapon with you when unfortunately the carnage begins and you can stop that carnage just like what happened in Indiana just a few days ago. Thankfully, that uh, young 22-year-old had his had his handgun with him. Uh, it obviously was more than what uh, a lot of folks want to limit in magazine capacities, and because of that, he was able to stop the threat in 15 seconds and save maybe 100 lives. I mean, this uh, this lunatic had, uh, you know, the, obviously the will and the desire and the ability to kill a lot of people that day in that mall. Thankfully, an armed citizen was there to stop that threat.
0: Okay, and let me get you on record for what you believe about teachers being armed in schools.
4: Yeah, I don't think we should require it of every teacher. But I think we should absolutely allow for a teacher that's willing to get the training. I'm a big proponent of training as you, as you know. I don't think you just handguns out to everybody and say good luck. Yeah. I think training is vitally important. And so I think a, a teacher or a custodian or a, a principal or any other uh, someone working in the cafeteria, any adult that's willing to get the training uh, should be able to carry in. And, and if that was allowed, you would have more people on campus armed in proximity when something like Uvalde happens inside the classroom. Uh, ready to stop that threat immediately. When you do that, you save lives. When you have a gun free zone, it it means people are gonna lose their lives. That's just the the evidence we've seen. All
0: right, so let me first talk about one of the dynamics you brought up in reference to a 22 year old who was in lawful carry um, of a firearm, was able to stop uh, an additional murder in my opinion. Okay, I agree with you on that, Uh, but here's the thing, we're talking about policy. Right, yeah. there's always going to be a nuance to policy conversation. For example, uh, you know there are certain amount of people every year. They die because they wore a seatbelt, okay, because the seatbelt was on them. However, the policy is that the vast majority of individuals who wear a seatbelt will have their lives saved. Yeah. And just because a few people will die unfortunately every year because they had a seatbelt on and it created a complication during the accident. That does not negate the good policy sense of enforcing seatbelt laws because seatbelts do save way more people under that policy. So here's the point I wanna make to you. I would prefer to have a societal construct where we do not have a culture that's gun heavy. The fact that we have so much access to guns and artillery creates a problematic dynamic where individuals like you say, well, the only way to solve it is with more guns. Well, that's the problem in the first case, that's your policy issue. And let me go to the ruling of the United States Supreme Court in the New York case. Clarence Thomas, Thomas writes that this was a dynamic of self defense. He put it in his summary and I was really surprised by this from Justice Thomas. So let me ask you this question before I continue. Do you believe that Bearing arms is a requirement based on a self-defense protocol in America. Do you believe that?
4: Uh, Absolutely, yes. And and I I think our biggest disagreement would be on your premise that it's the presence of guns that causes people to commit crime. It's the heart of man that that causes people to commit crime. It's the depravity of man or mental illness or all of those those factors.
0: Why not allow it to be legal to have grenades then?
4: I think it should be legal to have grenades. I, oh, you I, say okay. And I, I want to have a a legal. grenade, but that but you, but, but but yes wait, wait you said a minute, Wait, a minute. You said something the, interesting
0: here. Maybe you got some it's logic. Yeah, yeah right?
4: It's the nuance of the policy so as you said. You, that's Go ahead. Sorry. You believe
0: that it's okay for people to have artillery that's military grade weapon artillery because artillery doesn't really impact societal uh, elements. It's just the heart
4: of man, right? I don't just believe that, that that was the original intent of the constitution. Well, let's talk about
0: the original intent of the constitution. I'm glad you brought me back to that. Yeah. Uh, so Justice Thomas writes that this is basically constitutional uh, and what New York did was unconstitutional because of the need of self defense. That's constitution constitutionally determined. Sir, can you do me one favor? Can you find in the constitution for me, where does it say that bearing arms is for self defense?
4: Uh, right there in the Second Amendment, that the right of the people Freedom. to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed, and and that's necessary for the security of a free state. So you need a well-regulated but that's, militia. Necessary No, 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 no. For it the security says for, of a free state.
0: Well-regulated militia. So what I'm asking you to do is yep. very simple. Mm-hmm. Can you find in the Constitution for me? Maybe I'm ignorant of it. Can you show me where it says that your right to bear arms is an illumination? Of your right of self-defense, individual yes. defense. Can you find that for me in the Constitution? Yes,
4: 100%. Yes. Uh, so, as, as you know, Doctor Ritchie, as yeah. Jefferson said, on any question of construction in terms of the Constitution, trying to figure out what does it say and mean, carry yourself back to the time Jefferson said, to when it was actually put into the Constitution, and listen to the people that put it in the Constitution as they explain what it what it was intended to do and and what it meant. And so. All of the founding fathers, I can show you, I've got a whole book of quotes from the founding fathers saying that that's exactly what the second amendment was about. Resistance to sudden violence, they called it the first law of nature, the right of self defense. And it was something you could not give up to society even if you would, because you wanna protect your family, I wanna protect my family. And having that ability to have that arm was essential. And so that's why they put it in the second amendment the way that they did. That's
0: really interesting because James Madison who adopted the language from Virginia by the way. James Madison and other constitutional framers said that they wanted to stop the creation of a national army. Are you not aware of that?
4: Well, that doesn't have anything to do with this individual right to keep and bear arms. Okay. The, the right to keep but, and bear arms the, was the not just for- The constitution
0: never said it was an individual right based on self
4: defense. My point to you is- No, but it does- did not- we, it absolutely no, does. it doesn't say that, that's why it says you, you you have to read the text of the constitution and read the words of the people that put it into the constitution. Wait a minute, so
0: dear brother, you're talking what about part right people, now, what now, part of the right of
4: the people, what part of the right of
0: the people confuses you? Okay, is Who are that the people? in the constitution? Hold on, wait a minute, sir. Are you telling me that you are using what's called secondary documents in order to interpret the primary document of the US constitution? Is that, that what you're saying?
4: I'm 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 saying that you're using the intent of the people that wrote those words. Mm-hmm. You have to know what they meant by that. And the only way to do that is to read their writings, read their debates. What did they say at the time that they adopted the amendment? If it wasn't an individual right to keep up arms, why would they say the right of the people? And then mm-hmm. as you fast forward throughout history, I know I know sometimes you accuse us as concerned. Well, wait a minute, before, so before you happy. go there,
0: I'm gonna let you make that point, okay. I
4: promise. Okay, all right. Who are the people they're referring to? Every, every citizen in the nation? No, sir. Once again, every citizen in the nation, sir, specifically sir, at that time. Once again, you
0: said, sir, on my show just now, mm-hmm. you have to go back to the original intent of the authors based on what they said they meant during that time. That's right. You make a point. You said they say this is for the protection of the people. Who were the
4: people they were referring to? Every, every man that could fire a rifle. Every man no, that sir, could, could grab that, that, that musket off the mantle and march out and defend sir. the community.
0: They meant white men only because it was illegal for women to bear arms. It was illegal for black folks to bear arms.
4: It was illegal, not, not everybody free, else, not a free black in the north. But that's the, now okay, here's where sir. you have to, sir, you have to absolutely look the at the, the whole history, you. Dr. Ritchie, but why do ahead. you think people like me that are, conservative Republicans are, are so passionate about this, right? Because yeah. if you go back to the 1860s, it was the Republicans fighting the racist Democrats and the KKK in the south and defending against lynchings. That's why the right of the people to keep and bear arms was so important. If you had a firearm to defend yourself in the south, white or black, if you were a Republican, you could prevent yourself from being lynched. 4,712 lynchings, 25% of them are white. Something so I, I want you to not understand much. this. But I those people not. had to have the right to keep and bear arms. Okay, That's why we're brother. so passionate about this. Because Republicans have been fighting the racist Democrats for almost oh well over a century and a half now.
0: Okay, so now you're gaslighting, but I got plenty artillery for you verbally speaking. Those are just facts. Uh, uh, Hold on brother, I'm actually a black person. I don't know if you knew that or not. (laughs) Uh, So there is no coincidence that virtually 100% of non-white supremacists and members of the KKK subscribe to the Republican Party. No, the no, Democrat point. Party. You're, oh, you're no, wait exact, Look wait at, minute, at the congressional sir. record. Sir, the KKK am a to ask the Democrat you, Party. You know this I'm going, this going to history. ask you to be respectful of my rebuttal to your commentary. Okay, but all right? do you know that history Virtually, of the KKK? Sir, of course I know that history of the KKK. And I don't you give a they damn. Sir, I am a black man in America. I don't give a damn what party affiliation racist ass white people used to have. I don't because all of them, sir, all of them were racist as hell on the spectrum. All of them and I can make an argument today that all of them are still racist on the spectrum. But my point to you is it is no coincidence that today where we're living at right now in America that virtually 100% of all known white nationalists and members of the KKK are in fact subscribers to the Republican Party and the I've, conservative movement. But let me go back okay, to my okay, original wait, 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 point. Wait, I gotta respond Sir, to just two quick you things You will, that. You'll, you'll respond. I'm okay. trying to get back to the original okay. point. All right. The original point was when the framers of the Constitution referred to we the people, they were not referring to the diversity of America. They were not referring even To the context of America at that time. They did not include women. They did not include people of color. They did not even include white men who did not own property. In order to participate, in democracy during the framing of the constitution and beyond in that short frame of time, you had to be a white male that owned property. So this was not a democracy rooted in some kind of holy doctrine that we have come to adopt as uh, true and legendary today. These individuals created a document based on their own bias and based on their own prejudice and based on their own beliefs. They were trying to create an empire that they could rule and run and reign over. So when you tell me, that this was written in a way to suggest that they meant for all people in America. That's contrary to their own writings, and that's contrary to the interpretation that they used during the era. So, sir, tell me where I'm wrong when I say when they wrote "We the People," they did not have me in mind.
4: Well, I, I don't, I don't disagree with you that there were differences in terms of what applied to whom back then. But just you, you don't seem to care about the history on who was what or who did what. If you don't, if you don't care about about who were the racists. 100 years ago or even 50 no, years I ago. I don't care what who party Who was holding they white to. only primaries? It was Democrats, not Republicans. So Sir, if that doesn't and matter, you're to, you, on that, why but brother, matter to you. Then why should it matter to
0: you? is this whole um separation because of parties, my point is I don't
4: care what party they belong to. Okay. If they're racist, they're racist. That's agreed. Point. Uh, uh, agree, agreed. That? But I have to respond okay. to your spectrum comment because how can you possibly say that white Republicans that were willing to die in the South? to expand the rights of the constitution to all Americans, to make sure that we did become a more perfect union. How can you say that they were racist if they were willing to be lynched yeah. in order? These were whites, 25% uh, of the lynchings me, me were whites. That. Are you saying those are racist that they no, were willing allow me to me die? To
0: respond. Allow me to respond. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about who the individuals were that actually did fight for, let's say the freedom movements of the 60s um, who were on those freedom rides with individuals like uh, Congressman John Lewis or, or those people who beat of uh, the late congressman John Lewis on the Edmund Pettus Bridge.
3: Yeah.
0: Uh, it is very clearly defined, not simply in a political construct, but in a social uh, even Christian movement that it was Christian evangelicals who stood white Christian evangelicals who stood against Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. They subscribed it's, to a conservative ideology, say that yeah. again.
4: And some that stood with him too, right? I mean, he oh, sir, sir, that's what his letter few. from the Birmingham jail was so good at. Very it called out the white pastors that were not standing with sir, him. I, I think he was the right. The reason
0: why that was newsworthy is because it was rare. The vast majority of Christian evangelicals subscribed to In a the Republican South. ideology. And they stood against freedom movements for black people. But we I was go talking about
4: the 1860s, of, you're going back to the 1960s. Yeah, well, I'm
0: going back to the reality of of the complexity that yeah. revolves around racism in America. Okay, no, good point, Party, but I was
4: trying to show why the Second Amendment was important and, and, and important to all I'm Americans. I'm not saying it's not important, I'm it saying
0: important. it's problematic. And the reason why I say it's problematic is because when the Second Amendment was written, one, it wasn't written for the level of artillery that we have. It wasn't written for the people because they did not have me in mind or women in mind. They didn't even have uh, poor white people in mind.
4: But uh, it covers now. I mean, what about right now, what's your problem okay, on, with the second amendment me, right allow now? Me,
0: allow, me, allow me to finish Okay. Sorry. and when the second amendment was written. Remember the most complex piece of uh, weaponry uh, was basically a single shot. Uh, and hopefully you can reload it quickly and some of them even had a knife at the end of it. All right, Thank so cannon. it was written in that context. Okay, so we're trying to take uh this very antiquated uh second amendment dynamic apply it to individual standards when it wasn't written for that. Because they did not have all individuals in mind. They had certain individuals in mind, but they did not have all individuals in mind. And what you wanna do is put it into a modern context without revamping, reshaping, refurbishing whatsoever. It doesn't make sense because you have just admitted it
4: was not written for me. But see, here's the here's the difference in our thinking on this. Okay. It, it, it is, is that these, these things were written in the constitution were written based on principles mm, that principle. could then apply to everyone. Wow. So it's the same with the right to vote, right? Should okay. we- we just disparage the right to vote because we expanded it to women and minorities that the majority then expanded it to women and minorities. No, we say, okay, they did the best they could at that time in the whole there's an world. This is the situation in the whole world, not just America. It's
2: this is the
0: constitution sir. on the whole planet. It's expanded so, in the constitution. So let me ask you this question. You aren't you just glad it voting? was
4: expanded to now where you can carry a firearm and defend yourself like well, I sir, can, all of us? Sir,
0: this is a simple question. Yeah. We have voting rights expanded through constitutional amendments, okay? We have the right of mobility expanded through constitutional amendments. You have just admitted on my show that the second amendment was not written for everyone, where is the expansion of everybody's right to bear arms? in the constitution. Great,
4: that is a fantastic question, 14th Amendment. The 14th Amendment makes sure that your right to keep and bear arms no matter where you live in the United States is guaranteed by the Second Amendment. Prior to the 14th Amendment, the Second Amendment only applied to the federal government and states could infringe on your right to keep and bear arms based on race, based on whatever they wanted pretty much. And after the 14th Amendment, it made sure that all of us could have that. that, that's exactly what the McDonald case. When Thomas wrote the McDonald case, his concurring opinion in that took me to school, man. I mean, I learned so much in that 50 page opinion about the history of the 14th amendment and applying the second amendment to all Americans everywhere. So that that's the answer to your question.
0: You know, That's the equal protection clause, which is really interesting because the 14th amendment section three is the same amendment that says if you have involved yourself in an insurrection against the United States government, you can no longer seek an office of public trust again. So since you are in fact a 14th Amendment advocate, do you agree with the 14th Amendment section three that if you have involved yourself in an insurrection against the United States government, you are no longer allowed to seek public office in the United States of America?
4: Well, of course, as you know well, that applied specifically to the Confederacy and no, people sir, that actually were involved in an insurrection. No, but sir. It applied No, sir. It was
0: written a- for. It was written for the Confederates. But once again, right. Did you not say based on principle it applies to yeah. anybody that comes under that directive? So, sir. You're once right. Again, you're right. Dude, I so know I'm right. Them, that was involved uh, 14th in it. Fourteenth Amendment, Section Three. You with mm-hmm. me on this one now, right?
4: Uh, as long as we can clarify here, we're talking about someone that's actually involved in an insurrection, perhaps yes. trying to burn federal uh, court buildings in Seattle or in other places across the no, country. Or that, perhaps trying to actually take over the government, which didn't happen on January 6th. Well, they but tried. If to. it was to happen, if there was an actual insurrection. Well, they tried to. It, it, was, called, it was called an
0: insurrection, January 6th. They tried to do it. They tried to overthrow who's, who's the government. Who's convicted of
4: insurrection? Name one person. Actually, actually, even actually multiple people. Multiple even people have been, been charged. charged no, one person has even Sir? been charged with an insurrection. Sir.
0: They oh. have been charged with seditious conspiracy to overthrow the government, which so he- is once again statutorily—that's an insurrection. You don't have an insurrection statute on the federal books. So, so let, let's talk specifics.
4: Well. Let's talk specifics on insurrection and sedition. Okay, how is? Having a and, and I'm not defending the people that broke into the Capitol. Oh I mean, sure you are. That Broke something and walked on broken glass and all those things. They deserve to be prosecuted. They should they should have due process. They should not be in solitary confinement for a year. We're treating them worse than we treat Gitmo de- detainees. It's, oh, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an atrocity okay. to the country. But if you were rallying, if you were at the at the you know singing hymns and, and right. saying I want Congress to do its job under the 12th Amendment and actually look at these electors. There's nothing seditious about that. Well, that's not what they did. I have 30
0: seconds left, sir, before the end of this show and the beginning of the next one. That is not what they did. They did not go down there and sing Kumbaya. They actually infiltrated the government. They were looking for Mike Pence. They were looking for Nancy Pelosi. They have gone on record and said they were attempting to stop the constitutionally mandated process of certifying the electoral college would would have created a constitutionally yeah. undefined scenario. They have said on record this is what we tried to do. Who is they? They were simply, un, they were simply unsuccessful. But uh, many that? of them, sir, from the proud boys to the oath keepers. What are you talking no. about? Who, who they are?
4: Nobody in oath keepers has admitted to what you just said. Are there? Sir, and there's there been zero evidence the
0: oath that, keepers who that have they did said that. Their aim was to stop no, the transport of power. You had a couple of power. crazy
4: people that might have said oh, those so kind of things that had no people. means to do right. that.
0: Always good brother, I gotta go to the hey, next show. Hey, I hope, I hope you keep good your to have you right show.
4: to bear arms and I hope you do keep in bear arms. And we're all able to defend ourselves against mass murderers. That's how you start the carnage. All right, we'll talk about the school teacher
0: thing next time. We didn't get to it, I got a whole <laughs> lot for you there too. Enjoy it, right.
4: Dr. Richie, God bless right, you, man. man. All right, God
0: bless you, brother. Don't forget, take care of yourself, take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Remember, the truth is always indisputable. welcome to indisputable i'm your host dr rashad richard we got a lot happening today what do we do on this show we tell the truth you know why we tell the truth because the truth is simply indisputable rashad
4: great to be here congratulations on the new show and i gotta let everybody know that rashad and i go way back
0: people still need health care so i won't stop people still need criminal justice systems reform throughout this country so i won't stop and you won't stop either